0: I shake this cushion out daily.
1: Okay. Um, all right. Dr. Timothy Moore, President of Indian River State College. This is the mayor there. the another beautiful day in paradise. I'm talking with Dr. Timothy Moore. Could you lean in a little bit because yes, it sir. okay? Thank you. Nice to meet you, Dr. Moore. Heard nice a lot of good man. things about you.
0: Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Where do you so hail
1: from originally? I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. And how did you end up being an educator or an administrator?
0: I'm not an educator. I'm a guy who's had a a wonderful journey in life. I've gotten to chase the things that interest me, and the composite of those things has brought me to where I am today. The board uh, wanted a a president that had a different set of tools in the toolkit, and that's what these experiences have given me, military, commercial, private, individual entrepreneurism, federal government, and academics. All that blends together to bring me capabilities to this job that I really want to have to transmit to our students to make sure that they are prepared for the the journey ahead of them.
1: Now, one one thing about your your leadership style is an open door. You literally, physically have your doors open, and people wouldn't believe it initially when they were here that they could actually stop in and say hi to the top guy. Exactly. I've
0: had faculty come in here who've worked here 40 years and never been in this office, and I wanted to make sure that the office and the individual in the office are accessible. It's not my office. It's the college's office. I work for the college. I work for these employees, and therefore, if they don't have access to me, then guess what? Then I have no access to them. What does that mean? I lose information. Information is critical. As a leader, you must have access to your people
1: because the best ideas are out on the ground, not in the office. Okay, so it's written that my people uh, die for a lack of vision. You obviously have a vision for this office and the school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what is that vision? Oh, it's wonderful, President. Uh, We're
0: going to build upon the legacy of the past and prepare our students for the future that comes at them. What does that mean? It means that we're gonna drive this value proposition of the lowest cost per credit hour in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. uh, even become even more affordable and less of a barrier to entry into their life. Our goal is to take anybody from anywhere with any skill or non-skill and give them all the support they need to achieve their God-given abilities. That means we're gonna to put tools and resources and connections around them that most community colleges would never dream, do, or dream about. And why is that? I bring industry, I bring government, I bring uh, other academic partnerships. I'm bringing all those to this college. I, unlike my predecessor, I've not worked here for 47 years. So he was much more in tune as to what this college was, from where it came from and where it was going. My, my goal is to take the, the the wonderful talent we have here, add on a layer of talent from outside, connect it to the world, and watch this thing take off. Because we've got to blur the line between academics and employment. That's the goal. here. Mm-hmm. It can't be I just hand you a diploma at the end of your journey here after after two or three or four years and say, God bless you, good luck. I've got to make sure you've got that absolute launch point into your career path, whether it's self-employment, whether you're working for a large company. It's all about making sure that we have the abilities here to connect you early on in your formal labor. Ed- uh, formative processes here to see that I can do it. I know how to do it. I've got the skills to do it. Now I'm going to go do it.
1: Yeah. Like if you want to study, uh, learn how to be an air conditioning technician, you don't need to really study poetry.
0: Correct. But it also doesn't hurt to have that poetry in your in your repertoire because at the end of the day, we're not just people who do uh, automatic work and all I am is I'm a mechanic. We have other parts of the brain that must be illuminated. Creativity comes in all forms. It's scientific creativity. There's, there's fine arts creativity. There's just the curious mind that absorbs these things. So I want to make sure we we have our students who can take a fast track from where they are to where they want to be and get a job, but also have the ability to come back, buy from the buffet line, and, and develop their full self, because the full self is how we develop full citizens, and full citizens create great communities.
1: Well, I have to say that on behalf of the professors that I've had here, I'm a 67-year-old guy who's going back to school. I'm on your dean's list. I have never, I was never on a dean's list. I was a high school dropout, You're on a good got list my GED.
0: You're <laughs> on a good list this time.
1: Well, hopefully, okay. And uh, but I want to say this about good lists. It, it, it seems... seems... Seems that your open door policy or this. This emancipation to be able to speak up really is trickling down to everybody. And I just every class I've been in, I've thoroughly enjoyed each professor. Wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. So the
0: idea of having open-door policy is this. I have one theory I've I've stood behind for the last 30 years. None of us is as smart as as all of us. The the actual brilliant people that that are going to make this college better and transformative are going to be actually in the workforce. So I learned very early on in my days in the Army, the lowest-ranking individual has something important to contribute if the leader will just stop and listen.
1: Yeah, talent is rare, but more rare is talent that recognizes talent, correct? Correct, sir. Correct. So is there, if you, I mean, this is kind of a difficult thing, but like if there's some qualities that you're looking for in your professors that you're...
0: Committed to our students. You've got to be committed to the human condition. If you go to a university, you most likely get a graduate teaching assistant. Here, you get a full professor teaching a class. You get people that are committed to the to the pedagogical arts of communicating information to the next generation. That takes a lot of work. Instruction, taking the human mind and, and preparing it to take a new information and testing it, assessing it, and encouraging it—that's an art form. We've got great leaders here in the academic ranks that take that job very seriously, and that's that's what education. That's that's when magic happens.
1: Uh, let's talk about your background now. You were in military? I was. I did seven years on active duty. So, well, thank you for serving our my country. Pleasure. My pleasure, sir. Uh, those disciplines, did they, did, was that prior to college or after college?
0: It was after college. I went through ROTC at Wofford College, and, uh, as my father had done before me. And I went into the military and uh, was uh, determined to make a career out of it. And then uh, after the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, the Army offered early outs. And I thought, you know what, this is a chance for me to be with my family uh, on a more regular basis. And I took a, a job in industry.
1: Yeah, that's another thing that really separates you uh, in that a lot of people are, uh, are into academics, and that's their entire life. Right. You've gone out and you were seasoned in the real world prior to, to being in this position. You want to tell us a little bit about sure, your history, yes, please? Absolutely.
0: It's, it's all about uh, bottom line performance in industry. Uh, I was on, for almost uh, 25 of my 35 years of work life, I was on soft money. I didn't have anybody uh, guarantee me a budget or a salary. I had to go out and earn my way. And so it's through the wits of your, of your intellect and your drive and your intuition and your people skills how you actually set, in my case, research and development, how you sell research uh, concepts to customers. And so I went out and and did those things in the industrial world. I did them in the federal world. I did them in the commercial world and did them in the academic world. And so as a result, you you begin to see how you can blend all of these worlds together. And what I am is I'm going to have the ability to shift between sectors, military sector, the the government sector, the contractor sector, and the academic sectors, and basically pick and choose the best practices from each and bring them to, to light here. Why academics? I love watching the human spirit, the human condition reach its full potential when you give it the opportunity to see that, an individual to see that, hey, I can do this. When the epiphany strikes it, I can learn. And, and when that happens, then you've got an, an, an individual that is capable of doing anything they set their mind to. That's That's... Education it has a redemption quality to it, a redemptive quality to it, but it tends to be in the K-12 through 12 space such a negative reinforcement feedback loop, particularly for young men. They go, I, I, I made a C, Susie made an A, uh, she's smart, I'm not smart, and therefore I'm not going to try. And it becomes this negative feedback loop. This college is about, not a, not a second chance, this is an opportunity for a first chance to seize your full God-given potential so you can become whatever you choose to be. And we've had people come here that have dropped out of school, gotten their GED, their AA degree, and their bachelor's degree, and gone off to law school. That's, that's the human. That's the power of the human spirit, the human drive, coupled with great instructors and people that believe in them. Because sometimes people come here and their first, their first positive reinforcement from anybody in, in authority or academia is right here in this college.
1: Yeah, my father was in the Navy and didn't have a high school diploma. They immediately separated them and said, well, you guys are going to swab the deck and you guys are going to become officers. He jumped off that ship two years later, ran, got his G.D., and ended up becoming an attorney at law, a graduate of Syracuse. just goes to show you that it doesn't matter where you start, it's
0: what you become. And The military is a great place to shape character. It's a way to put work ethic and discipline to, not discipline in terms of punishment, discipline in terms of setting goals and achieving goals. That's what the military does. But the academic world is necessary for us to have those credentialing uh, uh, requirements met so we can achieve things in industry, whether it's a lawyer, whether that is a doctor, whether that is a, a technician, whether that's a code writer, whether that's an HVAC person. You've got to come through an academic stop somewhere. And that's where we've got to take people from what, what has happened to them previously, separate that distill it down to the individual, the opportunity, as I call it, man, moment, mission, or the individual moment in the mission, the ability to seize your God-given abilities through education, because it's a gateway. As I tell everybody, education doesn't do a whole heck of a lot for you except one thing. It trains your mind how to take facts in and hold them, combine them with experience to create knowledge to solve problems. Every job is on-the-job training. Every job, whether it's president, instructor, HVAC technician, every problem set is different. It's the combination of facts, experience to make knowledge to solve problems. That's what education does for you. But a lot of people have never had that connection made for them, and they never had the, uh, the positive results of, of their actions. And so as a result, they, they don't know they have the abilities.
1: You, you broached on something very lately about, uh, uh, women. I, 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 I've always noticed that I think women are much more capable of hypothetical information. For instance, they can sit in a classroom as a kid and they can, they can absorb the hypothetical situation. Okay, we're going to learn what a, what a ruler is and mm-hmm. what an inch is and what a foot is and the kid's there yawning. The guy, he's there yawning. I was, you know. But then the same, mm-hmm. take, the, take the same guy. And, and his father or his grandfather takes him out into the barn. And says, "We're going to build a table you together. We are. We're going to learn what a, what, a, what a what a what a foot is. What's a foot? I want to know what an inch is. I want to, no. because you're going to have relationship. Isn't that odd that it's the woman that's a, capable I, I women of the mature. hypothetical? I yes. I think women
0: mature more early than men. Absolutely. And I think men are more like attention deficit disorder, like I am. And you're in a polka dot room and everything is moving and shaking. You can't pay yep. attention to any of it. Yep. And it doesn't until we're in our mid twenties that we, we mature and realize I've got to make a living. I've got to, I've got to. Leave my mark in this world. And that's when we realize, oh, my gosh, you have that coulda, woulda, shoulda moment. I should have studied harder. I should have done this earlier, this, that, and the other. Time is our enemy. And I think that's when we start getting people to come here. They've they've squandered some time, but they now realize this is the moment. And our team is here to help them seize that moment and make the best of that moment to achieve their God-given potential. I keep coming back to that because each individual has a script, a story they can write on their own. There's parts of the academy that help them shape that narrative, but they must do it on their own. And because of that, it looks daunting. But at the end of the day, when you, when you figure out how to do things, when you figure out how you learn, when you figure out how to create a business, when you figure out how to solve a problem, my God, the epiphany, the light bulb comes on. And I realize I can do all of this. And that's the redemptive qualities of a good education. And that's what this place does. Nothing against the University of Florida. Great school. But the people that are going to University of Florida are hyper-competitive. They're at the top, t- top 2%, top 1% of the state. These people are going to succeed if you, if you, if you put them almost in location. We have a, a vast majority of citizens in the state have, don't have people that believe in them, don't have the right launch point, don't have the right DNA, the right parenting, the right environment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they, too, have a tremendous contribution they can make. And if we can give them the right footing, the right encouragement, the right support at the right price point, they can achieve all kinds of great
1: things. Well, there's, there's, a, there's intelligence that we don't really, uh, we're not aware of. And that I, I was talking to a world-famous kidney doctor, mm-hmm. a surgeon, old guy, and he said, you know, they're, we're only accepting up here at Albany Medical Center, we're only accepting 4.0s. He said the 4.0s don't necessarily make the best doctors. They don't, they don't have the bedside manner. Correct. So there's, 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 there's um, talents that IQ tests don't recognize. The test
0: is only a way to make it easier for the selection. It gives me a numerical uh, point in space to compare you versus someone else. The harder interview process is when you sit there and you tell a kid, and I did this when we started a medical school at Auburn University. I've got 27 applicants that look just like you, 4.0s, this, that, and the other. Why should I pick you? Tell me your story about why your story is the most compelling story. And you watch those that understand that, and they, they 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 turn on. You watch the the warm light just turn on in them. And the others that are just clinical. Hey, I'm just I'm, I passed the test. I made an A. I did this. I did that. It's almost like a an They cannot they cannot make that pivot to tell that story. The story is what's important because the story is what makes us who we are. It's our past, it's our present, our future. It's the story. The individual story that we write about ourselves is the most critical component of what we can do as individuals. And yet, we, we distill it down to making A's and B's. A's, and if you have an A, you go here, you make a C or D or e or F, whatever, you're going somewhere else. This is about writing the right story, and the ability to convey that story is what separates you. It makes you memorable, makes you sticky, makes you, hey, I remember this guy. And, and you were right, doctors, veterinarians, when I worked at the veterinary school, the best veterinarians, the best doctors, are not the ones that perform highly on the test a lot of the times. It's the people who have the bedside manner, the people that can convey empathy and sympathy and, and, and factual knowledge and take, regardless of what the individual's uh, technical background is, I can take this very complex health problem and distill it down to where you understand it. That's a gift.
1: Does that work for you as the president of Indian River State College in that there's 28 schools vying for public uh, monetary resources, right? Does that help you? And, and Because right now we've got a little tough time coming up here, right? Because a lot of people, we're not working there. We're not paying taxes. Is, is there going to be less funding available? I
0: think right now we're in a, in a good spot as a state because of federal stimulus dollars. But you're exactly right. One can see the horizon in a not-too-distant future where revenue streams are going to compress. So they're going to contract. That's why we're making the best of the opportunities we have right now to invest wisely, hire the right people, uh, augment to our, our wonderful team we have here, uh, add on those unique capabilities and um, and, if you will, shiny objects to captivate the human mind and get the students here. Because we're in a hyper-competitive ecosystem. 20 years ago, um, students that were local came locally, and they, they came and trained with us. Now you're watching education do two things simultaneously. One, there's a tremendous amount of cross-state, cross-county, cross-district competition for the same student. Okay? The second thing is, is, education is occurring, cur- college education is occurring earlier in one's life. We're watching our students because of the state's dual enrollment program. We're now seeing people come through at 16 years of age taking college-level classes, and they're excelling. They're doing a great job. We've actually graduated two 19-year-old bachelor's in science and nursing students, two youngest in the nation. So you're watching the, the, the maturation curve and the opportunity curve are kind of intersecting in a, in a very interesting way. And so we as a college have gotta be respo- responsive to that, adaptive to that, and then prepare for that because that's really where it's all going. It's being pushed earlier in the ecosystem of the individual's growth and development. We gotta make sure we touch them there with a positive experience and give them the highest quality education at the lowest price, and then get them to achieve their full abilities. And that means that they have the the, the rest of their lives for a runway to do more. The other thing we're also trying to do is make sure that the individual has entrepreneurism, they have exposure to cybersecurity issues, and they have a connection to community. Because individuals with education who get jobs contribute back to their community. And the great thing about our Florida college system, all 28 of us, is that 96% of our graduates stay in the state, whereas your SUS schools, about 60% leave the state. So the state's investment in us stays in the state and then multiplies and builds communities of strength, communities of diversity and different economic strengths than than we could have here before imagined. And that's why you're seeing the world come to Florida right now. Everybody's moving in now. Big industry and people who are fleeing other states because of COVID are Mm. coming here, and opportunities are emerging very promptly, and the workforce requirements are growing exponentially.
1: Yeah, you seem to be on the cutting edge here with, uh, uh, like I said, people wanting to be a a plumber or they want to learn how to be, Come an air conditioning technician, et cetera. You, uh, uh, did, didn't you win
0: first place or something? We won the Aspen Award in 2019 for the no- number one college in the nation.
1: Number one?
0: Yes, sir. But we also have Mackenzie Scott that gave us $45 million. Jeff Bezos' ex-wife was so kind to us. She looked at 7,000 institutions across the United States uh, from everything from Easter Seals to to academic organizations, picked 822 to look at in depth, and then picked uh, 84, excuse me, 384 for some type of support, financial uh, award. We were one of 29 schools or colleges she gave money to. Wow,
1: why? why? By what conjecture well, on your looked, part?
0: She looked at uh, the needs of our community. She looked at the strength of the institution. She looked at the vision of the new leadership. She looked at the, uh, the financial controls uh, around our, our foundation. Uh, she looked at all of those things. She had some real smart people. And I'll, I'll commend her, and I'll tell you why I commend her. Uh, Bill Gates built his own foundation in his name. And he's saying, I'm the smartest guy, I'm gonna tell you what I want you to, to look at bidding on, and then I'll invite you to send your ideas to me, and then I'll, I'll pick who wins. Miss Scott did it differently. She said, I'm looking at the strength of the institution to change lives, and I'm gonna give my money to the people best uh, capable of spending those dollars to make better things happen for others. And so we have a compact with her, basically. And that is, she's given us her trust, her vote of confidence, and we're not gonna let her down. We're gonna go out and deploy these dollars in ways that transform lives, uh, make our communities stronger, uh, d- tackle our diversity issues, help those in need, and basically elevate the human condition. And that's what we're, our mandate is from her.
1: Okay, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your personal life in that you married your childhood sweetheart absolutely three sons yes sir my wife robin and i we've been married now 36 years
0: uh we've known each other since we were in high school three sons uh oldest is a physician married to a physician with our grandson in mississippi Uh, our middle son is a as a professor at lagrange college and our youngest son is just finishing up his phd at auburn university so very fortunate i made them boys but she made them all men
1: now, your mission if you succinctly could say your uh, your mission statement to the people that are listening to this or will read oh, this in Vero's Voice magazine.
0: The easiest thing, I, I tell people at this college we have three points of true north, mission, student, and community. The mission is we take anybody from anywhere with any attribute or any deficiency. If you don't quit, we don't quit. We're going to help you achieve your God-given abilities. Second thing, students, no matter where you come from, we're going to give you that wraparound absolutely kit glove treatment to ensure that your time here is the best it can be and that you're branding with us and that your ability to look at, this t- at your time and investment here at this college has been worth the investment. And then lastly, to the communities where we serve, we're committed to turning out great citizens who do great things economically, socially, to help improve the communities where we're here to serve.
1: W- will you still have the arts here, or are we eliminating? Yes,
0: no, we're not eliminating anything. Our arts, are, our fine arts, are a tremendous draw card. Uh, they're they're important to the community. They're important to the human and social condition. We're going to continue to push on that. We're also going to grow our STEM programs. We're going to grow our computer science programs, our entrepreneurial programs, and our allied health and nursing health
1: programs. What's a STEM program?
0: Uh, science, technology, engineering, math. You may not realize this. We have the sixth-ranked, uh, best-ranked uh, uh, biology program in the nation. Wow. Nobody would think a community college would, uh, would think that way. We've been uh, talking, when I was at Auburn University, I started a medical school uh, there. Uh, the gentleman that did that, I brought him here, and uh, they were absolutely amazed at, at the quality of our faculty, amazed at the quality of our students, amazed at the the, uh, just the, the beauty and, and functionality of our buildings. And my team is, uh, has it just uh, done a great job. So... We're able to compete, as I used to say, we're punching well above our weight in the educational space. We want to make sure we're providing the very best, highest quality education, at the lowest price point to the greatest number of people who can achieve uh, uh, launch points from here to go on to wherever their life will take them. At the end of the day, as I tell the students, the degree doesn't make you. You make the degree. This college can make you you prepared for the jobs that are coming at you, but it's up to you. It's what drives you. It's where you want to go in your journey in life, and, and time is your
1: only enemy. Just as a uh, as an advocate for the senior citizens, one of which I am now, uh, and that is that uh, when I was when I was a young man, the, like I, I was brought up in Poughkeepsie near Vassar College, and they would allow I don't know if they called it mentoring. You were allowed to you were allowed to sit in on the classes. Sure, audit. Is, right. audit. Is there any chance that that could Absolutely, come back yes, for man. those of us that can't maybe Absolutely. afford to pay for the credit hours? We also do a lifelong learning program here. We bring in
0: individuals from outside of our area, sometimes inside of our college, to provide uh, lifelong learning opportunities because we know our senior citizens like to stay engaged mentally. We also know that mental stimulation is part of a longevity and, and yeah. quality of life. And at the same time, we want to make sure that we have a connection between inter, intergenerational connection. And I'll give you one last thing. Uh, several months ago, when I started my term here at this college, I ran into a gentleman who was 74 years old, military veteran, who's retired, coming back to get his GED because he wasn't going to go wow. out in this world without his high school diploma, <laughs> even though That's he'd worked great. his entire life. So education and learning and the, and the human spirit can all intersect at this great college. And it's an opportunity we take you as you are to get you where you want to go. That's 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 really what it's all about. And as I tell my team here, the answer at this college is yes. If we need to do it, we'll do it. The answer is yes, because we're here to change lives.
1: Well, Dr. Moore, I want to thank you for your open door policy yes, and sir. for sitting down and talking with thank me, you, sir, and I hope it won't be the last time we converse. Thank you, Rhett,
0: I appreciate your time. Thank you, sir.